Hey, um, unless you've been living under a rock for the past, uh, past 30 years or so, we've, we're all probably familiar uh, with this phrase. It's just a mission statement, okay? We've all heard of a mission statement. Companies have them. Churches have them. Uh, individuals have them as well. It is just this guiding statement that, that people take time on to just kind of say, here's what we're really about. Here's what we're trying to do. And so I wanted to start off. We're talking about mission today, and we're going to do a real quick quiz. And I want to share with you some um, mission statements from companies around the world, and we'll see how many of these that we can get right. All right, you guys ready to play a game? Let's play a game. Uh, let's throw the first one up here. This is the first one. It says this, to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. If you know what it is, just yell it out at me. Come on now. Okay, you're not very confident, but it is Starbucks. All right, how many, how many, how many of y'all actually got that right? Anybody get that right? Okay, here, here's the next one. To refresh the world to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. It is Coca-Cola. How did y'all know that? What a bunch of word salad that is, too. It's like, I mean, come on now. Y'all sell sugar water. I mean, just calm down. Calm down just a little bit. All right, here we go. Our mission is to make delicious, feel-good moments easy for everyone. Anybody know? Anybody know? It is McDonald's. Who got that one right? All right. It said McDonald's. Amazing. You guys have been spending time on company websites today. This is amazing. All right. Here we go. To inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. It is not Home Depot. The answer is Lego. <laughs> How fantastic is that, too? I mean, what a great, what a great one. All right, here we go. Here, here, this, is, this is the longest one of the day. Here we go. To be a standout leader in the fast food burger industry as a great company, stay true to our family-owned and operated roots, and always serve a great burger that is made to order when it's ordered. Anybody know what this is? It's not Burger King. It's not Hardee's. It is Whataburger. All right, now, here you go, guys. All right, so uh, you guys know Luke Sayer, our youth minister, is from Texas. Big t he's big guy. Whataburger's huge in Texas. Uh, Jenny Carnes, early childhood director from Texas. Uh, Jeremy lived in Texas for a while as well. Huge Whataburger fans. So I am giving you insight now to get underneath their skin. You guys ready? This is great. Do you know what Whataburger is? It's Sonic with a jalapeno. Okay, that's all you got to say. All you got to say. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So mission is important, right? Uh, because what mission does is it kind of like it brings clarity to things. Um, it gives us direction. It helps us to know what to do, uh, what not to do. In fact, I love what Gordon McDonald said, the old preacher. He said this, uh, without a mission, people live by reaction rather than initiation. So without a mission, we're just reacting to things as they're going along. But whenever you actually have a mission, you have a direction, you have a purpose, it tells you, here's what I need to do today. Here's where we need to go. You know, whether it's your company, whether it's you as an individual, it's us as a church, it's like, here's the mission. Here's what we are trying to accomplish. And whenever you are missionless, then you're just kind of purposeless and you just kind of wander around. But it, it keeps you just where you need to be. And so in today, in week four of our series that we're talking about searching, looking for purpose, finding significance, we're talking about how you were made for a mission. We've told you throughout this series that you were created to bring glory to God, that you were created to become like Jesus, that you were created for community. Well, today you were created to live on mission 
and you have a mission in your life, whether you know it or not, at this moment, you do. At the end of the day, you're going to know clearly what your mission is. So we're a bunch of Jesus people here, and so as we start this off, let's just ask this simple question. So what was Jesus' mission while he was here on earth? Now, there is a very crystal clear statement to where Jesus just nails it down, synthesizes it really, really, really well. It's not a word salad by any stretch of the imagination. It comes in Luke chapter 19, after he has had this encounter with Zacchaeus, who you may remember was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And the Pharisees, teachers of the law, are just upset that Jesus is hanging around with these tax collectors and sinners. They're grumbling and complaining, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And this is what Jesus says. He said, this for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost and that was jesus's mission on earth and so as you read through the gospels matthew mark luke and john and you spend time looking through them and you ask yourself why is he doing that why is he doing that why did he teach that why was he saying that why was he interacting with those people you can go back to luke chapter 19 verse 10 and go oh that's why this was his mission. He wanted to seek and save those who are lost. And so that's why he hung around with the people that he hung around with, because he knew that he had to associate with the lost because otherwise they would never be found. And so he had a very, very clear mission, and that's what gave him intentionality in everything that he did in his life here on earth. I mean, you read through Jesus' life. I mean, this guy got more stuff done in three years than most of us will ever get in a life. And then if you add on the 2,000 years that come after Jesus' life and ministry on earth and just the way it's continued on and on and on up until today, it's like that guy got some stuff done. How? He knew his mission. He knew clearly what he was supposed to be doing and what he was about. And he knew it, he knew it so clear that he even knew it at the age of 12. Because even at the age of 12, whenever his mom and dad find him uh, because they've lost him for just a little bit and they find him, he's there in the temple. He says at age 12, he's like, listen, I must be about my father's business. All the way up until 20 years later when he's there hanging on the cross and his last words are, it is finished and those two statements serve as like these just great bookends to his well-lived mission-oriented life he completed the mission that his heavenly father gave him and here's what you and i we need to see today that the mission that jesus had while he was here on earth is now your mission my mission and our mission that's what it is. It now belongs to us because we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are to continue his mission here on this earth as his church. And what is that mission? Seek and save that which is lost. It's introducing people to God himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, the apostle Paul says these words. He says, and all of this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Christ. And, and let's say these next four words together. You guys ready? And God has given us. Oh. God's given us what? This task of reconciling people to him. This is our assignment. This is our mission. This is what God has done. This is what he has said. This is what we are to be about, reconciling people back to him. And so once you become a Christian, once you begin following Jesus, God starts using you to reach other people. He saves us, then he sends us out. Verse 20, it says this, so we have been sent to speak for Christ. 
It's our call. It's as if God is calling to you through us. We speak for Christ when we beg you to be at peace with God. My friends, you were made for a mission. You and I are the messengers of God's love and his purposes to the world. Now, that word mission in English, it comes from the Latin, which means sending. And so being a Christian just means that we are being sent into the world as a representative of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to look at Jesus' final marching orders for his disciples. It's in the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. If you're new to church, uh, you may have never heard these verses before. If you're um, old to church, you've probably heard these before. It's known as the, the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus has died. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. He's about to ascend back up into heaven. He gathers his disciples around, and this is what he says to them. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if you've got your notes there or in your Bible there, I want you to um, circle or highlight four words here, or five words. The first one is make disciples, and then the next three are go, baptize, and teach. Now, in this, in the original language in the Greek, um, make disciples is actually one word, and it's one verb in this sentence. And then there are three participles, which are the go, baptize, and teach. So there is one command in this commission, and that is make disciples. That, that's command, that we are to make disciples, and as just like Jesus called these fishermen of Galilee to around him, and he let them walk around, and they became his learners, and they studied, they watched, they walked with him, and little by little they came to understand his message. So we, so his followers, ever since have been tasked to do the same thing. We want to bring people along, helping them understand what it means to follow Jesus and to follow his message. And so whenever you hear the word evangelism, which is just sharing the good news, that's what it's about, is helping people understand who Jesus is and what he wants for them and their lives. So that's the command, is make disciples. But there's three ways to do it. Number one is you go, right? Because you can't make disciples sitting still. Then he says, and baptize them, which is the public, physical, visible way in which someone is marked out. In some ways, it's like they're branded with the holy name of Jesus, how they're initiated into the faith. And then teaching is how people are matured. So go baptize and, and teach. That's Jesus' command, make disciples, here's how you do it. And so we've adopted as a church, just you know, kind of trying to phrase this for us in a simple way to remember, um, and, and our mission is this, is we want to win people to Christ, train them up as disciples, and send them out to change the world. So it's just three words, win, train, send. That's all it is. And that is our, our mission. We want to win people to Jesus, train them up as disciples, and send them out to make a difference in their communities and in this world. That's what it's all about. And for us as individuals, as we adopt personal mission statements, it really revolves around the same thing. We want to be people who are making disciples, who are doing everything we can to help people follow Jesus. And we believe that it is important and it is worth sacrificing for. 
Because four things. One, because that mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission. That's what we're doing. It's given to all followers. This is not something that's just given to preachers or elders or Sunday school teachers or small group leaders or youth coaches. No, no, no. This is something for all of us to be a part of. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. Everyone who has been chosen has been commissioned. It's also, it's not a suggestion, if you'll notice that. It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. And so it's something we've all been tasked with doing. Our mission also has eternal significance. So the the consequences of this mission are going to last forever. Nothing else you do on this earth will ever matter as much as helping people establish an eternal relationship with Jesus himself. It's going to last forever. It's also a privilege. In verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5, he says, it is a gift from God. It's a gift. We get to work with God and represent God to other people. What a privilege that that is for us. And it also, it gives meaning. Our mission brings meaning to our lives. The Apostle Paul, before his life, it was right towards the end of his life and ministry, he would say in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he would say, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. What's that work? Telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. It gave Paul's life meaning. William James once said this, that the best use of life is to spend it on something that outlasts it. And the truth is, only the kingdom of God is going to last forever. Everything else will eventually fade. And so the result of you and I, of us living out our mission, will last forever. You were made for a mission. He has given you, he has given me a mission, and part of that mission is a message to share. Because whenever you became a believer, you also became a messenger. And God wants to speak to the world, he wants to speak to the people around you, through you. And you may feel today like you have nothing to share. And I want to tell you that that is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell itself. You have something to share. You have so many experiences that God wants to use to bring others into his family. And so as we wrap up today, I want to just give you three easy ways that you can share and be the messenger that God has called you to be. The first thing is this, is you can share your story. You can share your story. Uh, One of my favorite types of movies or uh, TV shows to get involved in are like legal dramas. Um, I just love it. You know, there's a courtroom drama. You throw a few good men up on the TV. It's like, let's watch. I mean, let's just, let's watch that. And I love just, you know, John Grisham novels, all these things. And, and one of my favorite things that takes place um, in a legal drama is eventually there's going to be somebody who gets up into that witness box. They're an eyewitness that nobody knew about. And they're going to get up there and they're going to say, what did you see? You tell us what happened. And the courtroom just goes silent as this person just either completely, you know, like destroys the case or blow, you know, makes it. It just rock solid, whatever it is. And I love it because what does a witness do? They just simply testify to what they saw, what they experienced, right? That's all a witness does. And I find it interesting in the other version of the Great Commission, which is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this. He says, you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. Now, notice, he doesn't say you will be my attorneys. 
Isn't that amazing? He doesn't say, you're going to be my attorneys. Because what does an attorney do? They argue the case. They argue the case. They're trying to press for a verdict. They're saying, oh, this is the way it's got to be, all these things. He says, no, no, you're going to be my witnesses. And witnesses don't do that. Witnesses don't press for a verdict. All witnesses do is they just simply say, here's what I know. Here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. And my friends, if you've been walking with Jesus for a little bit, there are things that you have seen, that you have experienced, and what he has done in your life that you get to witness to, and you, catch this, are the authority on all of those things. Because you experienced it. Because you witnessed it. You saw what Jesus did. You know what he's done in your life. And there is no other story like your story. But here's the thing. If you don't share your story, it will be lost forever. You need to be sharing your story. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do that. Because you're an authority on your life and experience with God. And it's hard to argue with personal experience, isn't it? Another thing stories do is they're, they're really disarming. They make, they're really easy to uh, relate to. Rick Warren says this, that um, shared stories build a relational bridge that Jesus can walk across from your heart to theirs. Peter would say it like this in 1 Peter 3. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And friends, if you're going to always be ready to explain it, that means you're going to have to do a little bit of pre preparation work. You're going to have to do a little bit of working through your story so that you're going to be ready to do that. So off on the side of your notes there, here, here are just four ways to, to share your story real quick. We'll hit these real quick. Um, if you want to share your story, then you, this is where you begin. You begin with who I was before Christ. Okay, so here's what I was like before I was a Christian. You know, I was, I was this, I was this, I was this, okay? And then I met Christ, and here's how everything changed. And here's what made me realize, here's the second thing, what made me realize that I needed Christ, okay? That, that's the, the second thing there. Um, and so it's like, I, it just brought me to my knees. I was here, I was at this thing, or then, you know, God did that, blah, blah, blah. This is what made me realize I needed Christ. Then three, it's how I committed to Christ. Here's how I became a Christian. I went and talked to so-and-so, and they told me about, you know, hey, this is what it means to be a Christian. Here's how you follow Christ. You need to be, you know, you need to be baptized, do these things. So here's how I committed to Christ. And then the fourth thing he's, is this, is how Jesus changed my life. And here's how everything is different. That's just a simple way to share your story. Now, some of y'all, um, let me just say this. You were born in the church. You were born in the baptistry. Your first meal was communion, okay? And you're like, I don't even remember what my life was without Jesus. That's fantastic. That's a, you want an incredible story that you get to say and you get to tell. Here's how you can frame your story, though, is I know what my life would be like without Jesus, okay? Because, like, I know me better than other people know me, and if I didn't have Jesus living in my heart, oh, buddy, let me tell you some of the things I know I would be doing because I know this is what it is. And so I can't even imagine what my life would be like without him. But you've got a story to share. You really do. And it's not just salvation. You don't just have to like share your salvation story with people. It can just be all kinds of things. Maybe there was a relationship that was broken or maybe there was a physical illness that you were healed from. Maybe it was financial provision or just answer to prayer in general. But these are the stories that we can share and tell. See, a lot of us were raised on this model of Christianity that said that you need to share the truth and live your life. But what Peter is saying is something a little bit different of you need to share your life and live the truth. And then whenever you're living the truth, you be ready to share your story. Share your story. You've got a story 
to tell. Here's the second thing you can share. Share your life lessons. Share your life lessons. What is it that you have learned from God? Paul, writing to Titus, would say this, hey, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. This is sharing life lessons. One of the things that, that is a mark of maturity is developing the habit of extracting lessons from your experiences, uh, making a list of, of, of your life lessons. And I would suggest that you haven't really thought about them unless you've written them down. Uh, because what writing does is it anchors our soul. Did you know in the Bible 25 times God commands somebody, write this down, write this down, write this down? Um, I think every time it's a man, which is not a surprise. Um, <clears throat> Because it's just what our wives say. Do you have the list? Do you have the shopping list? Did you write it down? It's all up here. No, you don't. Write it down. Write it down. Why? Because we're forgetful people. Our memories tend to, to fade. And what writing does is it anchors it down into our souls. Like for me, I keep a calendar. Like I've got a digital calendar of appointments and all the things that are there trying to just keep track and make sure I don't double book or un, you know, any of those kind of things. But I also have like an old school Franklin Covey planner that I've got. And on the month at a glance view, what I try to do is I sit down and I'll just like write down, it's like, oh, I had a phone call with them today and talked about this, or this took place, or this happened in one of my kids' lives, or this happened, got to do this, you know, um, and just write these things down that are there. And I've been doing this for about, uh, I think, four years now, five years. And whenever I'm really in healthy rhythm, what I like to do is at the beginning, like I, I should have done this in November, to where I went and grabbed the past four years of November calendars, and just review over those and just say, oh, look what's been going on for the past four years. Oh, my goodness, that happened four years ago? Oh, wow. And it just reminds us and it tells me the story that I've been living for the past handful of years. And it's, if I don't write those things down, I'm not going to remember those things. Because what writing does is it actually encodes. There's like a neurological thing that takes place to whenever you take something and you write it down like pen and paper, like actual hand motions, not this, but this kind of stuff, is that it takes the information and it stores it in the long-term portion of your memory in your brain. And so you'll remember much, much better those things. And so we write things down. So it anchors it deep into our soul. And so whenever bad things happen in life, and there will be bad things that happen, or you go through a season where things just feel like everything is against you, you're able to look back on those memories and go, oh my goodness, look at that. I thought that was the end of the world there, but then I see that God came through here. And if he was faithful in the past, there is no reason he won't be faithful in the present. There's no reason he won't be faithful in the future. And so it just anchors it there deep into your soul, and you remember, here's what God has been teaching me. And so you write things down. If you, you, know, you can ask yourself questions and just think through. It's like, you know, so what has God taught me you know, about failure? Or what has he taught me through a lack of money or through pain or sorrow, broken relationships, through waiting, through illness, through disappointment? What has God taught me? And you write those things down, encode them into your memory. And then, here's the, the key. You see what opportunities arise in your life for you to be able to share those life lessons with people in your life as you live on mission for Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. Share an invitation. Share an invitation. If you go to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he begins it with three words. Those three words are, come and see. 
fit. He doesn't do a crusade. He doesn't start doing a bunch of miracles. Um, Before he'd even preached a sermon, he starts it all off with just those three simple words, come and see. And he invites some guys to be his disciples, to learn from him. One of them was so overjoyed that he ran and he got his brother. Andrew went and got Peter. And he's like, dude, I think we found the Messiah. Translation, just come and see. Okay. And then whenever Nathaniel is asking Philip if there could be anything good that would ever come out of Galilee, Philip replies to Nathaniel, Dude, just come and see. In John chapter 4 with the woman who was at the well and Jesus is talking about water that you've never even heard of and and he is able to tell her some things. She leaves, she tells everyone in her town, dude, you gotta come and see. I think the Christ, I think the Messiah is here. It all began with an invitation to just simply come and see. Because whenever we find something that we love, we can't help but talk about it. A new restaurant comes to town. A new ice cream shop comes to town. Sonic with a jalapeno comes to town. (laughs) What do we do? You got to check this out, man. You got to check this out. Come and see. Come experience this. You got to try this. They got the best guac that you'll ever have. This ice cream will blow your mind. I mean, this is just the kind of stuff that you need to know about. And we do this all the time time. Come and see. We are his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come and see. One of our prayers here at Corinth for for you on a regular basis is that everybody who calls Corinth home would have a one. They would have someone in their lives that needs to be found. Someone who is lost needs to be found. That there is somebody that is on your heart, that there is a name, that there is a face, that there is a person that you are just like, oh my goodness, God, I want them to come to Christ so bad, so bad, so bad, that every single one of us would have a one. If you don't have a one, then our prayer is that you would have a one. And God would bring them into your life. And our prayer for you is this, is that you would be one aware. That you would be looking for opportunities with your one to be able to share your story, to share some life lessons, or share an invitation. And I'm telling you right now, you've got a slam dunk coming up. Uh, Christmas Eve this year is on December 24th. And so we're going to have Christmas Eve services. You guys are a little slow this morning, all right? And so we're going to have Christmas Eve services, and this is a slam dunk invitation opportunity for you. Um, Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have invitation cards for you to be able to grab and to be able to share with your one, and and we want you to be praying and be praying about how can I make this invitation. I mean, almost everybody celebrates Christmas. You get to say, come celebrate Christmas with us here at Corinth. It's going to be a great time. You should just come and see what it's going to be like, and you make that invitation because we're on mission. That's what we have. We we have all been given a mission. You were made for mission. And there is someone in your life who needs to know who Jesus is. So let's live our mission out. Because here's the bottom line. Jesus not only calls us to him, but to go for him. He is calling us to go out for him. So your challenge is this. It's very simple. Would you begin praying and then looking for that opportunity to share? Pray and look for the opportunity to share, and when it comes up, you seize it. There's an old uh, Mercedes-Benz TV commercial that shows their car colliding with a cement wall, and 
it's a safety test. And someone then asked a company spokesman why they don't enforce their patent on the um, technology that they had for energy absorbing um, car bodies. And a lot of companies had copied it because of how successful it was. And this is what the Mercedes spokesperson said. He said this, because some things in life are too important not to share. Man, there are some things in life that are just too important not to share. God never made a person he didn't love. And everybody matters to him. When Jesus Christ stretched out his arms on the cross, he was saying, I love you this much. In church, as long as there is one person in our community who does not know Jesus, who isn't in the family of God, we have to keep reaching out. Because a church that doesn't want to grow is a church that says to the world, you can go to hell. So what are you willing to do so that the people you know will go to heaven? Is it invite them to church? Is it sharing your story, some lessons? Is it taking them a meal? Is it praying for them every single day until they become a Christian? Your mission field is all around you. Don't miss the opportunities he's giving you. The Bible says, make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Be wise in all your contacts with them. Let me ask you a question. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? Will there be anyone in heaven who is going to walk up to you and say, thank you. I am here because you cared enough to share the good news with me. Can you imagine the joy of getting to greet people in heaven who are there because of you? The eternal salvation of a single person is more important than anything else you are going to achieve in this life. Only people are going to last forever. That's what's at stake with your mission that you were created for. But I'll tell you this, you can't share what you don't possess. And today, if you've never heard it before, Jesus Christ loves you. He died on a cross for you. He died on a cross to save you from your sins, to save you from yourself. He not only died for you, he was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead so that anyone who would call out on his name, anybody, that means anybody, could be saved. And if you have never began a relationship with Jesus Christ, today, I implore you as though God was making his appeal through me himself. Be reconciled to Jesus Christ today. If you're watching online, be sure to visit the website on the screen and say, I'm, I'm ready to go all in with Jesus. If you're in the room and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you grab that connection card, say today, I am ready to begin a relationship with Jesus and let's go all in. So Father God, today we, we love you and we thank you so much that you have saved us. And today, we want to be people who are on mission. We want to be a church who is on mission because uh, we really do believe that there are some things in life that are just too good not to share. And the good news is at the top of that list, that we can be forgiven, we can be made whole, that we can be reconciled to you, that we can have a brand new lease and a brand new life through the transforming power of your grace and your mercy. And so help us to walk out of here today, God, encouraged, on mission, walking out of here with purpose. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.